recording live from one of 15 new properties bought by Kirk Cousins' agent. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. The richest man in all of Washington football. People are saying that he might be the highest grade quarterback in the NFL after this because it's just like the amount of money he's going to get. The cap keeps him. going up and so they're just... He's got, he's hitting it at the right time for sure. They franchised him more it's like, money. Hey, this, this borderline top 10 quarterback now is almost a free agent. Like, prepare for millions of dollars. Yeah, dude has great leverage in negotiation right now. Washington is in an ugly spot. They isn't, need him. Isn't they, this kind of Washington's way of saying we don't trust you so we're just going to franchise you? Uh, I think it's more their way of saying we haven't run our franchise in a way that will allow us to <laughs> sign you and we have a lot of other big holes yeah. and we have Gruden coaching and we think that he can get a large percentage of what you do out of a different quarterback. Yeah, I think they just think the window's going to slam shut in like one or two years and they don't want to be stuck with Kirk Cousins, who's like probably the talent-wise the twelfth best quarterback in the NFL, they don't want to be stuck with him for six more years on the hook with a ton of guaranteed money. Uh, the term "poor man's saints" comes to mind. Yeah, and that's not a good spot. It's to like be a, in. you don't want to be like a team that has a guy who's just worse Drew Brees, and then also like stuck with the him rest forever. of the saints. <laughs> I was gonna say to, to flush this out, rich saints aren't very good. So <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> instead of instead of seven and nine every year, it's five and eleven. All right. So let's start off with uh, some Seahawks news. Let's start off with the big news. Uh, Russell Wilson went to the Oscars, guys. That's the biggest what? piece of Seahawks news. How did he get in the Oscars? Uh, he got in. I'm with just his, kidding. His I know. Girlfriend. I know. Ciara or Sierra. That's Maybe both of them. That's his wife. Actually, now I guess he wifed her. His lady friend. Um, Upgrade. Uh, and we got officially got two third rounders, uh, 102 and 106 for That's our compensatory big, picks. big news. That's the biggest Seahawks news of the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, getting two third round picks is really good. That's, that, that's good, good news. That's impressive, actually. It also lets me start actually working on my draft projections, which feels good. It'll be great until they trade down for fourth round picks, Kevin. I'm okay with that. That I always build that in. Oh, we have a first round pick. I wonder what we're trading that for. Two former Seahawks offensive tackles were officially cut this week. Uh, Russell Okun and Breno Giacomini, which I would accept either of them back with open arms. Come to home. be honest with you. Both of you. Come I don't home. like Breno Giacomini that much, but I would just totally be like, yep, you're, you're good. Come back. You're so much better than what we have now. Both of them would be an upgrade. Uh, Okung, I think, legitimately fits into the possible plans at left tackle, and I think signing a left tackle is the most important thing we can do this offseason. We've talked about Russell Okung possibly coming back. Kevin, give me your thoughts on Breno Giacomini, even though I know he's a right tackle, but uh, where, how was he this year? Uh, he's a big, mauling right I, tackle I with a watch pissy attitude. I Jets games, so that's why I'm asking yeah, you. you are, Neither did the Jets staff. The run blocking will will be really good with Breno Giacomini. The pass blocking will be mildly questionable. I mean, that's just the way he is. Which is one more area that's good than was this year, and one more area that's moved from diarrhea to questionable. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, the pass blocking is suspect, but it's not horrible, so that's... Uh, I mean, I would honestly take any left tackle that is a free agent at this point to come in and compete with Fant. Not that Fant's necessarily never going to improve, just that you need to Fant's keep, at least two years away. You need That's to keep putting it. pressure on him. You need to say, like, hey, you need to do it now. You can't just say, oh, Fant's our guy. If we go, if we go into this next season with the Fant's our guy attitude, they're basically putting Russell Wilson's life at risk. Well, they're putting our window for a Super Bowl at risk because yeah, you can't because keep bringing these projects in. Russell Wilson's going to have to keep passing concussion protocol because he's going to keep getting injured Yeah, from, from all the blindside sacks. So let's get into this. I'd really like to talk about it. All right. So I spent about a little over an hour watching tape on the Seattle Seahawks 2016 offensive line. So thanks, Kevin. That's so also known as to. the second most boring tape assignment any of us have done after Nathan watching kickers, kickers. for an hour. <laughs> Dude, there's some good kickers in Division Two college football this year. I don't know if you guys have heard <laughs> about my boy, Mr. Davis. Was it Matt Davis? Uh, I can't even remember the name. To be honest with you, I just <laughs> at this point now, if the Seahawks draft a kicker, I'm just going to look up to see if it's that guy, and if it is, I'm just going to do like a thousand fist pumps. It was like Voldemort State or something. Uh, <laughs> One that do- a college that doesn't exist. It was from Hogwarts. Baltimore State. <laughs> it was the Kraken. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay, we don't need that kind of off-field drama. Um, 
So I, I look back because I really wanted to have a good idea. I see a lot of people mentioning picking up an offensive guard in the draft or picking up an offensive guard in free agency. And I really felt like, and we talked about it during the year, the interior of this offensive line was not the weak point. And I wanted to go back and really examine tape and take a look. I looked at every, uh, every breakdown in the Falcons game. I looked at about, there were 42 sacks of Russell Wilson on the season. I went back and rewatched about 20 or 25 of those, plus a couple of uh, game tapes, the Buffalo game, the New England game, and a few others just to see what the offensive line was doing. And what I saw was Justin Britt, was exactly what we thought he was. He was an above-average player. There's a reason why he was the only player with an above-average ranking at his position, From according pro to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, and uh, so what you're saying we have one real offensive lineman. This is so exciting. It's, we can build on this. Uh, Mark Lewinsky was a low end of average, like barely functional starter, according to Pro Football Focus. And I really wanted to look into that because I felt like he was doing well. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't just, you know, rose-colored glasses. And what I saw was one glaring flaw that was being magnified tenfold by the problems we had on the line. Mark Lewinsky's biggest issue is that he has a tendency to try too hard to help on the line. So you saw this... um it happened against uh, Frosty Rucker last year in his only start. It happened uh, against um, a few of the linemen on the stunts that the Falcons were running. But what you'll see is he'll be handling his guy. So the defensive end will crash in and he'll catch the defensive end. And the tackle will stunt out, which is now the our offensive tackle's responsibility to pick up. Kind of a, imagine an X, if you will, from those... This is for people listening. You know, yeah. if a line of four, there's going to be the four players, the two on the outside, the two on the left will form an X, the two on the right will form an X. And what should happen is the offensive tackle will pick up the defensive tackle on the stunt and the guard picks up the end. And what ended up happening was our tackles have a tendency to take a first step to the inside and you'd have a double team on the defensive end that's crashing in and the defensive tackle looping around the outside, or in some cases a blitzing linebacker, would come free. And what you'd see Glowinski do, and this is when he would look really bad, is he would attempt to put one arm to the defensive end that's his assignment, and then try and push his body in the way of the defensive tackle that's stunting, and that put him really susceptible to a rip move or a swim move. And so you'd see him get beat for a sack a few times. And what he's basically trying to do is block two guys on the same play because he sees someone running free and is just trying to get in the way. And so the hole next to him at offensive tackle really exposed his tendency to basically try and do too many things at once. When he was just blocking one guy straight up, he got beat a couple of times, but he really looked very solid. I think if we had someone next to him that was capable of holding their own, you would see probably like a middle of the league offensive like guard. a 7 out of 10. Yeah, exactly. But he's like a 5 out of 10 because he's playing next to a 1 out of... See, this is, this, this is that's, not... that's your... It, well, it, it, was, it fully speaks to, to your theory. theory. The one great offensive lineman theory. All you need is just, you need just like one great offensive lineman and it brings up the level of like all the other guys. And like, we already have one good one. So we just need one great one. So. Yeah. And you want that great one at tackle. Unfortunately, they're not available. So. <laughs> if we had a left tackle that was a six or a seven, I think you'd see Glowinski firmly in that seven territory. Well, let me right. ask Our you. offensive line would go from abhorrent to passable, maybe. Yeah. And passable would be very good for us. Let me, let me ask you this on those, on those stunt plays where, Glowinski's trying to do too much. Let me guess. The right tackle is somewhere downfield. Well, in this case, it'd be the left tackle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. The left tackle is Fant, most likely, is not blocking anyone, right? So I saw this with Fant, Gilliam, and Sal. It was the same thing. What would happen is they would basically catch the defensive end on the stunt, 
And they'd be so absorbed in trying to block the defensive end on the double team that they would ignore the tackle or whoever was blitzing from the outside. So every time you saw a guy running free and running straight at Russell Wilson, what you usually saw was the offensive tackle doing an unnecessary double team. There's so many missed assignments on this offensive line when you watch the tape, whether it's a guy trying to do a second level block and never finding anyone or a double, a guy double teaming a guy where it's in a situation where another player is running free straight to his left with no one to block him. Like there's so many times that stuff like this happens to the Seahawks offense and it's not a coincidence. You know, it's at some point it's like that they are poorly coached. Uh, they are, they are not talented. You know, it's and it's a combination of these factors. It's not just one or the the other. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely some of both going on. And, and pass blocking is definitely the weakness. Like Tom Cable's never coached a top fifteen pass blocking offense. I think maybe he actually has once, one time. I think it was a like a twelfth. Yeah, and it's like that's the one time he's been a, a good pass blocking offense. Every other time, he's good at coaching run blocking. I'm not going to criticize him for that. Although last year, I felt like the run blocking was not good, and the the problem was that guys would not find second level assignments, which is a very important part of running a zone blocking scheme. Like if you're going to run a zone blocking scheme, your guys need to find their second level assignments and blow those guys up because the whole point is a few guys get lost in the shuffle and then there's the big second level blocks that make huge, huge, like single cut running lanes for guys to slide through. Yeah. And it's just, they weren't there this year. They were not there every time they were there. Sometimes there were games where it was like, man, we're really running. And then there's even within a game, there'd be parts where it's like these running plays were awesome, and these running plays guys missed assignments and they got like one yard a whole bunch of times over and over. Yeah, the Seahawks ranked in the bottom five in the NFL in stuff percentage. The running back was stopped behind the line of scrimmage at one of the highest rates in the NFL, and that speaks a little bit to a Fetty. So notice how I said we have one other offensive lineman who could be considered average. A Fetty had a lot of rookie struggles. And what I really need to see next year in order to feel better about him is for his awareness to get better. He has a tendency to, if there's a guy in front of him, if his block is obvious, he can dominate his man. But when the block becomes less obvious, he doesn't seem to have the awareness on the field to adjust. So what you'll see is maybe two defensive players loop to the outside and you'll see him standing there blocking no one. Yeah, just and so never... he doesn't adjust to help double team with the tackle, or he doesn't swing inside to help Britt if maybe there's a tackle lined up right over center. And so it falls to Britt to block by himself, which is a hard assignment for a lot of centers. Well, when you mentioned Fetty, my immediate thought was, you know, there were times where he looked really good, and that's that explains it when it's... Yeah, he's a really strong phone booth player. The pro- the, a problem with Fetty, too, is that, I mean... At the end of the day, I think the Fetty as tackle thing is almost dead at this point. Like the guy has shown that he probably can't handle the responsibility. Maybe two years down the line, three years down the line, but I think he's just a guard, you know. And I, yeah, I don't on, think his footwork is there on some level. Like that's a huge, that's a huge letdown. I think organizationally, like we need tackles. We didn't need guards. Guards, you can find guards too for cheap. The guards don't get. You know, rarely do they get ten million to eight, eight even eight million dollar contracts. You can find good guards for, at a fair value. Hell, look at Britt. We got Britt for a, a medium draft pick and converted him into a guard. Like he's a third round pick. Yeah, you don't you don't need to spend big to get a guard. And uh, I think that I think it's a miss to be honest with you. I think the Fetty thing's just a a clean miss. Like I maybe they get a lot out of him, but I bet it's a James Carpenter situation where his best seasons are three years after he's off the Seahawks. I feel like a Fetty, you know, we always talk about this, uh, not we, the Seahawks talk about maybe, you know, this line is going to gel over the off season. And I feel like a Fetty is someone that can gel. I think Glowinski is a guy who can gel around Brit. The tackles I have no faith in. I think that's a key thing is what you just said. You know, you spend a late 20s draft pick and you pick up a starting offensive guard. No, that's not ideal, but that's not a terrible wasted pick. It's like when you draft a first round wide receiver and they turn into a really good wide receiver too. It's like it's not a waste. It's a disappointment. And I feel like that's likely with a Fetty. The big thing with Carpenter, the difference between Carpenter though is we aren't wasting the first four seasons of his career trying to experiment with him at tackle we've been able to put him in at guard and let him do his best which gives me a little hope that maybe we will get some of his better years i don't know but i mean you have to 
you have to consider the first year like a D, right? Like a solid, like you, if you grade him out, like on yeah. an A to F scale, like he got a D. Like he, it's not like that a D is horrible. Like if my kid came home with a D from school, I'd be super angry. So like, I'm not, I'm not happy that, that he got a D. Like, yeah, he's a rookie, but I'm tired of, it's, this team doesn't have a, an infinite window, right? I mean, the team will always be competitive as long as Russell Wilson is still young, good, and healthy. But the, the, this is not, it's, it's time for us to stop being, uh, so complacent. Like, oh, the Tom Cable will, will deal with it. Oh, it will get better. Oh, they need to bring in real talent on the offensive line to bring up the level of either to support some of these mediocre players that we have or to like get rid of some people like jettison, jettison, uh, whoever's going to play, whoever they have, whoever they think all tackles on the team. Jettison. Honestly, they could cut all th- all of our tackles on our yeah. team, and I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, Fant would be a slight disappointment because I do think there he is, could become something. There is a pot- there is potential there. You know, two years down the line, yeah, under a good f- coaching staff, so you, you know he f- needs to go to the Redskins. <laughs> 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 he needs to go to a team with good offensive line coaching, not the Seahawks. You could put Fant on the practice squad though, and he would stick there because no one would steal him from you. Yeah, no one's no one's gonna claim Fant unless waivers. it's like Dallas, where they're like, yeah, we can hide him behind all the other talent we have, but they also don't need him. I mean, eventually they'll need him because they're right up against the cap. They're the that's only true. team that's right up against the cap right now. You know, so Afedi graded out like a D minus. Uh, I thought Glowinski rated out like a D plus. Oh, I would agree. But like you could see why. Now, wait, is that how you say pro D football plus, focus D or is, you would? This is me. Really? We just talked in before we started recording, though, about how you like Glowinski. And D plus yeah, is, but D plus until the talent the, next this, to him gets better. Because, I mean, I, if you think about it, Brit grades out a C plus B minus. I think he's a full letter grade below Brit. Okay. I mean, if you're putting it on a one to five scale, you're talking about like, uh, probably a three for Glowinski and a four for Brit. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're talking about like zeros for the tackles though. Yeah. And it's really hard to judge Glowinski right now as a left guard until I see like, is his, multitasking something he's only doing because of the weakness of the player next to him or is that something he's in the habit of will he always try and overthink his block and if that ends up being true then it's going to be hard to raise him a whole lot more right now i can only grade what the film tells me and the film tells me a d plus well i don't you think and i i we were spending a lot of time on the o-line here but screw it it's probably useful don't you think there is some good coaching going on despite how we feel about tom capel but I think there's some NFL level coaching NFL, going on, yeah. which is a thing. But do you think that? I mean, just watching it last year, let's just say Glowinski was, you know, trying to do too much. There were some real panic moves across that line. It, the reason why I think we like Britt so much and why I will give Britt so much credit is because one, he was so bad, and then he he transformed himself into this average, above average center in something we really needed. But everyone else on the on the line seemed to panic, meaning like I don't know what to do with this guy. Ugh. Like really bad stunts, letting Russell Wilson getting tackled, letting Russell Wilson get tackled out of nowhere on a consistent basis. Glowinski and Brick get the highest grade from me, if for no other reason, because they are the two offensive linemen who game in and game out. Their feet didn't stop. Okay, you saw offensive tackles that in the middle of a play, they get beaten on a speed rush, turn around, and watch Russell Wilson get sacked. Yes. And nothing pissed me off more than that. And and they would, were consistently missing next-level blocks. So, Panic Nate, moves. here's my question for you. I'm saying they're talking about Feeney. They're talking about Forrest Lamp, these offensive guards in the late first round. That's not what I want to see. That's, I that's want to like, see an offensive tackle in the first or second round. I want to see one of those two compensatory picks or a fourth round pick being spent on an offensive guard to come in here and compete with our guards that we have. That's what I would like to see. If they draft a guard at the end of the first round, that's a sign that they're putting a Fetty at tackle. Exactly. And that is a, uh, that is a scary proposition to me, to be honest. I think he looks a lot, I think he would look a lot like Brick at, Britt at right tackle. Oh, and you think he's that slow? Uh, no, but I think the results would be the same. I don't think okay. he has a good first step. 
Okay. I think he has more recovery athleticism. So it's like the reverse Brit, where Brit had a good first step, and then every other step after that was horrible. <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is, he's going to have a bad first step, and then he's going to be awesome after that. Yeah, Effetti's a really aggressive blocker. This is, this is funny to me, the idea of a reverse Brit. Yeah, it's the un-Brit. Old cement shoes, you've become a great center, and I appreciate it. Way to way to work hard and get make something out of your career, because you are not an NFL caliber tackle. Hey, you know, cement isn't very good at ballet, but it's a solid anchor. It's right in the middle, man. He's <laughs> solid in the middle, for sure. I like it. And he's it, got good sync and good... Uh, Yo, he's a, he's there's a there's a term that gets used in scouting for offensive linemen. Britt is very sticky. It yeah. is hard to shed him. He uses every ounce of his size and strength. And if you're trying to shed him, the only times I saw him really get beat is if he was shading in one direction and the play went back against him. He could get beat that way. And I think that's just kind of he's a little bit of a plotter. I mean, he played against Jadavian Clowney in college, and I watched the whole. Every single play uh, of offense from that game, and when we drafted him, and I, I remember just thinking, like, yeah, his his movement is fine. Like he 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 knows he makes right choices. His footwork, his position, but sometimes Jadavian Clowney's just too fast. Yeah, you know? this guy is too athletic. He gets around you. So that was what kind of worried me. All right, let's uh let's get away from uh, George Fart and <laughs> all the sorry. I kinda, oh, the, you, the, the joke you hated and you had to I make hate it. it so much. It's not funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> so let's talk. We got to talk about uh, one more person, uh, Seahawks related. That's Richard Sherman. Uh, and uh, people probably think I'm going to talk about how he lied on national television. I don't care about that. Uh, Richard Sherman posted, <laughs> posted. Goodell does it all the time and no one calls him on it. Uh, I just, it just doesn't matter to <laughs> me. Uh, okay. Uh, he posted a picture of like 14 jerseys he's traded for on Instagram. I'm going to just list them off. Uh, all of them have like signs, are signed in inscri- inscription. I want you to say, the two you'd want the most. Okay, you get to pick two because there's there's a lot of awesome ones in here. Okay, so he, let's start let's start from the one. Uh, I'll start from the bottom of the picture and work my way up. So he's got a, a Demarius Thomas, a uh, eighty eight, a Des Bryant, uh, Robert Quinn uh, for the Rams, uh, Martellus Bennett uh, from the Bears, Lashawn McCoy from the Eagles, Odell Beckham Jr., Tom Brady, a Charles Woodson, uh, uh, Calvin Johnson from the Lions, Antonio Brown. A uh, Jonathan Stewart, a Julio Jones, a Deshaun Jackson, and a Patrick Peterson. Okay, these are jerseys he's traded for during his career. So now, uh, other than making a joke about this is where Tom Brady's jersey went when he, when he, <laughs> after the Super Bowl, other than that, uh, what, what, uh, which of these jerseys would you like to have in your collection? Charles Woodson is a snap keep. That 24 Raiders jersey is so sweet. Absolutely, Kevin. Yeah, I figured you both would pick the Charles Woodson. That's why I made That's it two. That's my number one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why I said you got to pick two. All right. Who, what's your number two there, uh, Eric? I'm going between Megatron and Antonio Brown, but what was like the... S- give me your first three again, Nathan. Marius Thomas, Des Bryant, Robert Quinn. Oh, it wasn't Robert Quinn. I'll tell you that. Keep Although going. Beckham Jr. Martellus Martellus it was Martellus Bennett. I really... Because, you know, it's a Bennett brother, and he's so entertaining. He does great art, too. He doesn't take a hometown discount, either. I'm going to go Calvin Johnson. Eric, Eric, Martellus Bennett wouldn't come to your job and tell you to take a big cut. No, no, he wouldn't. Uh, I I really like this Julio Jones jersey, not because I really like Julio Jones, but because it's like a... The it's black like a, alts. Yeah, it's the black alternate jersey. It looks just It just looks really nice. They like the detailing on it. It looks really good, especially on the version they had the players actually wear. Uh, this Tom Brady one's cool because it says you're the best. You are the best on it. So apparently he got uh, either Richard Sherman wrote that on there himself, which is funny to me, or <laughs> Tom Brady wrote it. Or he told Tom Brady to write it, which is also funny to me. So either way, I like that. Uh, I think Woodson is like – Woodson and Johnson are the like the obvious ones because they're both surefire like first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. So, I mean, the, those, are, those are pretty sweet. Antonio Brown's a good one. Uh, you definitely don't take the Quinn – or the Demarius Thomas. That's why they're like bleeding off the bottom of the picture. <laughs> I, I feel like Antonio Brown's cool and all, but something about Calvin Johnson retiring before he died, staying with the Lions, even though he never maybe once made a playoff game. I don't know. That's why it appealed to me. I would take Woodson and Brown because I've always had a soft spot in my heart for special teams guys. And Antonio and they Brown, are for some reason, excellent special teams guys. And 
And also... To keep risking Antonio Brown's life. I don't know why. Because he insists on it. I know, but it's so dumb. Like, it's just... Just tell him no. Not to mention, Charles How can you resist that smile? Charles Woodson's Heisman run year was the year that got me hard into college football. He was... An incredible player to watch. And who did he And he just, delivered. Jabril Peppers, like. Jabril Peppers wishes that he was Charles Woodson. Come on, man. Jabril, that's my hope for Jabril Peppers is that he's like hope a bigger, like. a bigger Charles, like a, you know, the linebacker safety hybrid Charles Woodson. He is, he is not coming here though. <laughs> Please, come on. It's my dream. I, I will say this about Charles Woodson. Let's just, we'll trade Cam Chancellor to the Chargers and we'll get, <laughs> and we'll get Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers. And Jabril Peppers will murder people. Right now, team. people are acting like he's going to fall into the second round. Those are the people that forgot what the combine is. The combine is the time of year that people like Jabril Peppers walk in and make themselves about 10 or 20 million dollars. You don't, you don't think it could be like a, like that guy from Notre Dame situation? I know he had an injury, but uh, he had a massive of injury but that's still, very different are we talking about Matt Matt Tail? i mean miles jack i i thought last year that's the guy's name right well miles jack also had an injury that was um a different player you're thinking of jalen smith jalen smith or jalen strong jalen smith jalen strong is the wide receiver oh yeah, yeah you're right okay so jalen smith i thought like watching the tape though that guy was like one of the best players in last year's draft just he was absolutely he didn't play the entire season this year that was more like a willis mcgahee thing yeah, I I don't know. I think you like if you're a good team, like at the end of the first round, you sh- that's the that's where you get those guys. Like you just take those guys and say, you know, what? it's a talent. We'll get them with our good medical team. You trust your medical staff to get them back healthy. No, I'm that- saying Jabril Peppers is gonna go like top twelve. He should. I don't know. Twelfth to the Browns, dude. Get him out there with Hugh Jackson, nah. my boy. Browns nah. are my Browns are my team right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it on the ground level. I, I actually I want, really like the Browns, I want, too. I want them to get Garoppolo so bad. You have no idea. And Garoppolo? Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, so, uh, let's talk. Let's uh, transition James to some NFL news. Garoppolo. First. Two big running backs got cut. We have the Vikings. Well, one big running back, but the two well-known ones. I would say both of these running backs are very good. Yeah, still. but Jamal Charles is not big. He's kind of slight. He's a little He's petite tall. guy. He's tall, though. He's tall, but he's, sli- he's, he's slender. Like, he, the thing that's weird about Jamal Charles, okay, just since we already talked about both of them, Jamal Charles, uh, he got cut by the Chiefs and he, he runs so upright and I don't really understand it. He runs different than almost any other running back in the NFL. He just looks like a guy who's just, I don't know, it's just, he runs different than everyone else. And I, maybe that's why he gets injured all the time. Well, it's, he was kind of a Percy Harvin type player. Um, going through college, he split a lot of reps and then he was used a ton in the pass game. And I wonder if he just never really developed that way as a running back. But, you know, Eddie George was a really upright runner too and he was a taller guy. So I don't know. How much, how much money do you think these, uh, so the other player, uh, the no option exercised for Adrian Peterson, of course, cause that wasn't, the contract was literally insane. $17 million. It's yeah. There's no way that was happening. Stupid amount of money. Um, well, the Vikings have said that, you know, don't, don't say that he's not going to be a Viking because we are going to try and re-sign him, but I don't know how realistic that is. Well, you think he makes like 10? Mm, I think he, I think, I think he's going to get like two, 12. Two years, 12 million. Who's going to pay him more than six million dollars a year for 31 year old coming off an injury, Adrian Peterson? I could see the Browns doing it. No. No. Why not? Because they actually have have a smart front office. They have Isaiah Crowell. Like, they, ha- they actually ha- they don't have Isaiah Crowell, but they franchised him. They franchised him on a no, um, second round tender. It's an RFA or it's, RFA on his second round tender. He's not sorry. going anywhere. I just figured that will help. Fill I really the hope they get the second round pick. The crow, the crow. The crow. <laughs> yeah, you. This is a this is a legendary YouTube video. Everyone should watch it. This uh, is true. It's Isaiah fake Isaiah Crowell hype tape, and uh, it's the, so good. The crow. The crow is uh he's pretty good. Uh, NSFW. Yeah, it's not safe for work. Don't watch it at work. Watch it at work. Whatever. It depends on what your work's like. <laughs> it's you your have, life, man. Do, Live do you it. have that chill boss that just lets you watch all the crazy videos? Because then you should watch it with them because they'll yeah, appreciate it they'll too. They'll appreciate it. And also like. have them listen to the podcast, man. Come on. Uh, the, the, um, <laughs> but, the crow knows. Yeah, I don't but think where do you think, where do you think Adrian Peterson could land? Like four or five teams. By the way, for those teams. of you saying the Texans, that makes no sense. Stop. Uh, four or five teams he could end up on. Back on Minnesota. Who else is desperate? The Jets? Like, I don't know. Like, he's going to... Miami? People are... It's no, not they, like have, they have Jay Ajay, 
who's a very similar yeah, type of want, back. That's a bad combo. Yeah, but Jay Ajay, like he he I was mean, game busters. And AJ then he was Peterson not. does catch the ball really well. If, yeah, I guess you could bring him in to be your third down back, but he's very expensive for that. San Diego. People say that Seattle is in on all the both of these guys. Yeah, and I don't think that's a very good match. At two at two twelve, I'm probably in on Peterson. I'm in on I'm in on Charles at like. 2-8. I think Charles is going to be like two I'm eight on, two nine. I think Charles at two six. Man, I don't want I don't want four games from this guy. No, I'm like, saying that's what he's going to end up. Being. He's going to get. Oh, like I know. That. He's going to get like two years, nine million dollars, probably something like that. Because he's going to be a legit third down back at that price. That's the type of guy I could see him going to like yeah, here Miami. We go. First and being down the Rawls, third down. second down Charles, third down. But we have pro, pro size. size. We don't need a third down back. But he is, he's our second down back. I hate you. This is the new thing. You're the worst. You, you spend instead of spending seventeen million dollars on one running back, you spend ten million dollars on three <laughs> running backs. You know who's your running back? Sometimes you Voltron. say such silly things. They're so funny. They're so real. It's it, it makes this, sense. It's gonna happen. It's now. like Sammy oh. Sosa high seat high heat baseball. Just get ready. It's so uh, real. Prepare, what about what about uh, Adrian body. Peterson in San Diego? What about Adrian? They have Melvin Gordon the third. He's so good. Melvin Gordon's so good. He was so good last yeah, year. Yeah, dude, he's three people. He's three. He people. went. He last year he really improved. <laughs> three people. Yeah, I. Uh, I. Uh, By the way, you mean I, LA? Like I. I seriously think if Dallas had oh, cap room, yeah. If Dallas had cap room, they might go for him. But what are they going to do? Cut Tony Romo just to sign Adrian Peterson? That seems short sighted. Let me think about it. Adrian Peterson. They got Jerry. They got uh, Jerry now that Jones. you say it. Yes, that's they got Jerry exactly Jones in a, like a wi- like a bunker that doesn't get any wireless. You know so where Adrian Peterson's going to end up? Adrian Peterson's going to have a terrifying redemption year for the Patriots, all of Corey Dillon. Oh, oh and I, you're going to hate yourself. The thing about you, that Kevin. is. I think they already have three running backs who are probably almost as good as Adrian Peterson right now, making way less money. The thing about the thing about the Patriots is they can sign anyone because they have like sixty million dollars in cap room, nine draft picks, and they haven't even dealt Garoppolo yet. It's like literal insanity. I don't I don't understand how the Patriots do what it. What about the Raiders? The Raiders would be a good fit. He'd be a really physical back to go with who they have. That could make I some sense. Hate their running backs, so I mean I can totally dig that. Uh, I don't know why the Raiders. The thing out, it's such a hard sell because everyone knows he's coming off a huge injury. He's old. Like no fan base is going to be really pumped to get Adrian Peterson. That's true, but they just need. Yeah, and the other thing is, this is a really deep running back class. Right. There's you, people know now that you you can just sign, you can just get rookie running backs, and their rookie running yeah. backs are almost always good. Well, everyone's talking about Zeke Elliott in the media. But the person you're really talking about, if you're a front office guy, is Jordan Howard, man. He yeah. was second in the NFL in rushing. He was what, like a third round pick? Yeah, that they and he had a crazy good year for the uh, for the Bears. Right, He's a, just, he looks like a franchise running back. I, why don't we say this before? Peel so guys obvious. off the street. Green Bay Packers. Okay, I understand the Packers thing, but there's no way because the Packers. Brett Favre revenge angle. Adrian Peterson did already. You got it. He spent so much time living in the frozen tundra of Minnesota, which is already bad enough. To go to Green Bay, I would. There's a reason Green Bay gets no free agents. It's because that has to be the most unappealing place to play. In well, the it's NFL. like going from Minnesota, where you have WalMarts, to Green Bay, where you have a Menards. <laughs> That's Man, the best joke a, I've ever made on ga- this podcast. It's a gas station, just yeah. a gas station with a. It's a gas station with hats, <laughs> with hats and some boots. Oh man! Oh man! So uh, still better those than are, Buffalo. Those, that's our takes on the uh, running backs. Uh, the exclusive franchise tag was placed on Kirk Cousins. We already talked about this a little bit. He's going to get eleven billion dollars. He's also claiming he will only allow a trade if it goes to the 49ers. He he came out. Like Did an, he really say? He that? came out like an hour later and said. His agent said the Browns have momentum and he'd play there too. It's all bargaining. It's all posturing, oh, but I love the posturing. He would play for either. I'll be honest. I think he'd play for either of those teams. If I'm a quarterback, I want to play for Kyle Shanahan. He yes. obviously gets a lot out of the quarterbacks. But I'll play certainly for play for Hugh. And Hugh, you could and I, not do bad with that. Cleveland, he will design an offense around you succeeding. Cleveland Browns seem like they, they can't, they can't go down and they have a left tackle and they have a really good left tackle who is like bought in. They just need a rest of line. Yeah, I really. I, they're the they're the opposite of uh, Seattle right now. They have, they a, have a left tackle. They, they have hundred million dollars in cap room, and I think that the Browns, if they play this right, just like the Raiders, kind of just came up in two years. That's going to be the Browns. They're really close. They're on the cusp. They have a lot of good young talent. They have Crowell and Pryor are good. They need a quarterback, which is like a big get. I understand. Like not having a quarterback is basically the kiss of death. But like I would, if I was them, I'd be like going to they need a quarterback and, and pass say, rush. And I'd say, give me the, I'll give you pick number 12 this year, and I'll give you a third rounder next year, or something like that. For James Garoppolo. For, for Garoppolo. I think that's fair. And it's I beyond think, fair. And like, 
I think that's New England really has to think about that. I know they want to on some level they probably want to keep Garoppolo because Tom Brady's forty. That makes sense. Garoppolo is pretty good. He's definitely better than Matt Castle. I'm I'm already there. I'm willing to say like Matt Castle was the backup quarterback that they got rid of. There's a reason they haven't just dumped Garoppolo already, and it's because he's probably sort of good. Yeah. So I I uh I don't know. You think that I'm there's interested. that there's some heat on the fact that they could keep Garoppolo and make him Brady 2.0. Yep, there's definitely a chance that we're uh, two years from now, uh, Brady retires and Jimmy Garoppolo is still in a Patriots uniform. I'll tell you, you find out this offseason. I think yeah. Nate said it really well. If he gets traded to the Jets, uh, he sucks. <laughs> if he gets traded to, well, you know, uh, somebody in the NFC, you know, he's probably like really good. If he gets uh, kept, then he must be good. If If he's on the Texans next year, like, oh, he's bad. He's really bad. They, they they were like, no, he can't beat us. Because Houston almost beat New England in the playoffs this year with like half of their defense injured. Yeah, and, and, like, and like a guy with one a peg leg playing quarterback. But he's really tall. <laughs> so then... Uh, it's like more like a stilt than a peg leg. I don't I uh, don't know what to say at this point. My life has ended. Uh, is this what it's like when you die? Um, but yeah, the... I like the Patriots. I mean, their their franchise is incredibly well run, so it's always fun to talk about. And the Browns are coming up. All right, anyway, here we go. Uh, Chiefs gave Eric Berry six years, seventy eight million dollars. That's Kinda a lot of money, but sets the market for free safety. So if Earl Thomas does ever get another contract, there you go. That's what we're paying him. Yeah. Um, Yikes! And he'd be worth every penny. NFL sources are saying Garoppolo will only go to the Bears or the Browns, which I think is a sign that he's good. Because those are those are kind of disenfranchised. Remember, Hoodie will trade a guy within his division if he thinks he's bad. Yes, like, he gave Bledsoe to the Bills. He was like, "Yeah, sure, try to beat me." <laughs> like, he, <laughs> if he thinks you're bad, he gave he gave Castle away a to Kansas City. Like, basically, just like, "Yeah, I know that they're a team on the cusp, but this is not going to help you." Yes, <laughs> like he knows the so. Bears. He's like, "I'm going to trade you to a frozen wasteland of the North." That is a division and a stacked division away. Like he's going with Rogers over there. If I deal him to the Bears, I don't have to worry about seeing this guy in the Super Bowl for at least two or three yeah, years. No kidding. I might be retired by then. All right. So or uh, run for president. Giants. Giants uh, got penalized uh, ten spots in the draft and two hundred thousand dollars for illegal use of walkie talkies. I did not hear about this. Uh, how do you how do you feel about this? Uh, I feel amused at all the salt they're probably having over Richard Sherman not get, losing us a pick. I, I mean, think it's that, just so arbitrary. It's just another example of the NFL just arbitrarily handing out these weird punishments. I think that's still better than what they gave Jason Pierre-Paul. All right, here's a stat for you. You guys ready? Jason Pierre-Paul, that contract they should have got a three finger discount on that. Seriously, that's not a good deal. <laughs> um, Peyton Manning's career earnings shake out to twenty six point four thousand per chest pass attempt. Chase Daniels currently makes $247,000 per pass attempt. Which Chase. career would you rather have, Eric? Chase Daniel or Peyton Manning? Obviously, Chase Daniel. He's a better quarterback. He's getting paid more. <laughs> uh, actually, Chase Daniel has had a pretty good career, if you think about it. That's a pretty sweet gig. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, they made another NFL Choose Your Own Adventure game. Oh, yeah. This one yeah. featuring where should Tony Romo play next year. Ooh, these are so good. Right. Now, are we, Nathan, are we doing this now? Broncos finished. Oh. All right. Uh, here we go. We're going to go fast. Yes. Okay. Uh, you're, you're a sports agent. You're trying to help your client, Tony Romo, find a new team. Okay. There's no randomization. So if you could last, it's just, me and, your we're going to alternate answers. Me and Kevin. Okay. It's Jerry Maguire. You know, you've got your Renee Zellwitcher. Okay. Eric's Jay Moore in this situation. Who the Sorry. Hell is Renee Zellwitcher. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, here we go. You spent your most of your adult life living downstairs in mom's basement and trolling through the darkest corners of Reddit. But suddenly you hear stories about your brother. He's been hired by the San Francisco 49ers. He's working on their depth threat at quarterback. What about you? You love sports too. Why can't you do something with your life? After your mom screams that at you for an hour, you finally decide to get off your lazy butt and attack the world head on. What do you do? <laughs> you never mind. I don't, I don't know why I picked that. It just says put on your, put on your pants and go or go to this weird Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> so this dumb. is the part where we where uh we remind the audience nathan doesn't pre-screen these bits uh we're I, just uh, flying I definitely just uh oh you just it's just the shortest choose your own adventure this short adventure you're just like talking to people 
They just like don't even. You know that's okay. Don't even do anything. I, I want to do the Cardinals and the Rams. Choose your own adventure before the season starts. So that's... this one is more just like inside jokes from the first game. To be honest with you, it's not like the the second one. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Reddit choose your own adventure reviews here at From the Hawks Nest. Yes. Well, here's the thing. If you want to play the Tony Romo one, just head to uh, Romo Adventure Club. The subreddit is called Romo Adventure Club. That's a that's a beautiful name. Okay. Perfect. You can, you can try it yourself and see. If you can be Tony Romo's agent, tell us what you happened to you. Uh, I will tell you that if I had any choice of where Tony Romo could go, I would pick the Texans because I think they're a quarterback away from being great. Denver. I don't want him to play for Denver. I don't think Denver is – I think Denver is going to go bad real fast. So do I, but I don't think he has that much career left. Houston. Houston, I think Houston's, Houston's closer and they – People talk about He it. also might play there on a discount too, and that would be good for them. And I turned down for Watt, you know, so Kevin just got so mad. I love it. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, Kevin was just 10 mad, and that's what I want to see. He hated that 11 he was 10 out of perturbed. 10. Uh, yeah, he's no James Garoppolo. I, but uh, Houston has good skill position players at wide receiver running back. They have good defensive players all over the place. They, they are good missing cornerbacks, a Tony good Romo. defensive linemen. Like, this Gosh. is a good football team you that know, has just like the most abhorrently bad quarterback play. Hopkins would have like the world's biggest outdoor barbecue if Romo went there. He would have like he would celebrate so hard he'd have to make sure he didn't JPP himself. Bill O'Brien would just Will be Fuller, like, Will Fuller four would be really good with Tony. Will Romo Fuller too. four would be really good, Ooh. but I'm not saying the fourth. I just like four. Well, you wait. know, the first three models couldn't catch very well. This well, one, he had good enough hands. Will Fuller IV. They that, really screwed up the hair, but that doesn't matter. He gets a lot of drips, saline drips. Definitely Deshaun Jackson that doesn't return punts. Alright, so that's uh that's all my NFL news for uh this. That's this enough. Set. That's you enough. You guys got NFL anything news. else? No, we're in the barren wastelands of the off season, my friend. It is uh it is rough out there. Rough enough that I just decided I was like, I want to be surprised by this Tony Romo thing, and it did not work out quite the way I expected. Uh we have the NFL Combine's coming up. It's next weekend. We'll have a little bit more talk about that. Joe Thomas was making fun of it. He said, have fun at the cattle call. Make sure to pretend like you love it there. Yep. Which is which really just made me laugh super hard. Uh, Joe I, Thomas, American hero. He is the he is like the best follow on Twitter. I think he might be have the best Twitter feed of any player in the NFL. Uh, challenge me. I dare you. Kevin, take us to a live read about how you can support our podcast. And by live read, I mean make it up on the spot. Dance, monkey. Dance. <laughs> Kevin's laughing too hard to do it now. I, I got him. You you he screwed it up got or him. made it better. I'm not sure. All right. You know, uh, shoot us those reviews. Uh, we need more reviews on iTunes. If you reviewed us in the past, those reviews no longer exist. Because when we switched from, from the Hawk's Nest to the Seahawk's Nest, your review went off into the internet nothing. So please, you know, go back. Give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It gets us on the lists. It helps get some more exposure Wait, for us. As Chris Jericho would say, we're on the list. No. Oh, okay. And it's not that kind of list. Don't hurt me. Talk to us on Twitter. Email us. We really could use your questions. Uh, this is the time of year where we have time to answer it. I just watched like over an hour of tape of just our offensive line being really bad. I put myself through that. If I'll do that for me, just think about what I'll watch for you. So hit us up with any questions, anything you want us what to research, is, any he, concerns you have, whatever you have to say, Nathan, it's not good and don't do it. No, he's going to do it. Kevin says, he said, Kevin said, he says, send him as many Sean Kemp dunk compilations as possible. Because that's what he really wants to watch. That is what I really want to watch. Absolutely. Right. Me and Kevin will just pour and, over that data. And sweet, sweet, slow motion Sam Perkins three-pointers. Slowest three ball in NBA history. All right. Sweet. All right. Uh, sweet. Wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, give us likes. Talk to us. Help build that community. Thank you, especially to Augustine and Michelle for being very active. Brian, love your likes always. Josh, glad you enjoyed the movie. You know, thank you to those of you that communicate. We will continue to put it out there oh, and talk back. Thank you to the person who uses the a proxy server that goes through Boydton, Virginia, because there's no way 21 people listen to. Uh, 21 people is 
5% of the population of Boydton, Virginia. Hey, they were man. just really popular in Big Boydton. Big Hawk fans. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Mark Lewinsky went to West Virginia? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. This is a, there's definitely some proxy server that, that rolls through Boydton, Virginia. I just, I'm, in my head, I'm just going to say it's Mark Lewinsky's whole family. So, good for them. All right. And they think this is an official Seahawks podcast. Uh, make sure to go if you like to give, if you just want to give us money directly, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Lots of cool rewards available. For just a dollar twenty four, you can support us bantering at you. And then, uh, there's lots of cool stuff, uh, available. And remember, if you want any of those specific prizes, you only need to support for one month, uh, to get that prize. Let's say you want a t-shirt, just give us $24. As soon as it cashes out once, then just change to a lower level and continue to support us. Uh, all right. Let's talk about a movie with a great visual style, a movie that I think is uh, severely underappreciated, uh, a movie that is directed by someone who we have talked about on this podcast and in this segment before, uh, and the best movie that stars Michael Sarah. All right, Eric, did you figure it out? Ugh, that's I, I kind of like Michael Sarah more than anyone here. So, okay, so so, but I but I but I know what movie you're talking about. We're talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, I like it better than Superbad, which is the other uh, competitive pick for best yes, Michael Sarah yes. movie. Okay, which, yeah. Superbad is great. It is, uh, but I'll save that for another day. I love that you're doing Scott Pilgrim, though. I did not expect this movie to be on the list. All right, you're, oh, it's on the list. Every it's... time I say the list, it makes me just think of Chris Jericho now. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, Eric. Give me your uh, your thirty second thoughts, just quick. What comes right to your head? Uh, I love the relationship dynamic and that's what the whole movie is about it's about a, a true love and not getting it and then actually getting it there are some dope fights there are some amazing visual pieces matched with amazing enough music the first fight almost turned me off the movie that's uh, I, my review garlic bread makes me makes you fat what <laughs> uh, one of the one of the great lines of the movie uh I like the. I actually think the music that the band plays, uh, the the Scott Pilgrim's band plays, the music that the Beck, the bob bombs, Be- sex bob bombs, the sex bob bombs, that Beck no, wrote. No, sex bob bomb. But you yeah. just went total Gideon on us. Okay, sorry. The villain from the movie. Okay, so anyway, the uh, Beck wrote all of the all of the music in them in the, that they sang. That I did not know. And uh, I think it's pretty good actually. Uh, that uh, threshold, that song they sing in the scene where they they uh, have like a giant. Uh, gorilla comes out of the drum kit and then the, <laughs> that's the best song that song is super good with the, where they go up against the twins yeah and the, the twins are playing with the dragons like that scene is that scene is amazing i love that scene i think it's so cool that's the scene that's when he gets a life yes that is actually <laughs> the scene in the movie where i was pissed i didn't see it in the theater oh yeah it was cool i saw it there's the some movies where i don't see it in the theater and when i watch them later i'm like oh damn it Yep, but the, re- the, the relationship interplay between the characters is cool. I think it captures the spirit of the uh, comic very well without just being a straight copycat yep. of the comic, which is uh, always challenging to do. You know, there's always a temptation to just do like a straight up copy of what the comic did, and this didn't do that exactly. Like, it and it oddly caught different. a lot of. Well, I guess it didn't oddly. It caught a lot of flack for not being a straight up copy, but I, they held the spirit very well. I agree. Yeah. Well, they got rid of like all of the like world behind the world stuff from the comic which i thought was always kind of weird there was some stuff in the comic i mean let's face it it's it's a book so not everything be a lot transfers of filler. well no and there's gonna be a lot of filler there's gonna be you know let's experience this world and in scott pilgrim you didn't need to worry about the world and it uh, was this world and it was scott pilgrim that's what we cared about and i i mean a lot of people say that this is the reason edgar wright stopped getting like crazy money to uh to make movies you know like they're like oh we it's scary to give him a lot of money so that's why he had to like go into hiding for seven years until now he's making baby driver, which is another, this is the reason I got wanted to do another Edgar Wright movie. Cause I've started to read a lot about baby driver. We can talk about it in a minute, but just, uh, yeah, the, the Edgar Wright, I think deserves another chance to make a, you know, 50 to $80 million movie. Cause this one is awesome. <clears throat> it has Mary Elizabeth Weinstein, who is like Weinstein, who is like probably if you're casting a movie with a white lady in it, it probably should be Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Like, don't put Jennifer Lawrence in your movie anymore. She sucks. I'm tired of her. I don't want to see her face anymore. Put Mary Elizabeth Weinstead in that movie instead. Like, yeah. I think that she's just a way better actress, and I want to see her get more more cool roles. This um, this movie, unfortunately, bombed. Like, it did not do very well at the box office. Nope. And it made like $40 million. I think part of that is because it was kind of understarred. Like, Michael Sarah, even though he was a name at this time... He wasn't loved by everyone. People were like, 
Yeah, Michael Cera. Isn't he the same look, person in every movie? I don't think this movie? was the kind of movie that you should have done this way, budget style. I don't think that was a good move at the time. If you look back at the movie, looking back at it, there are so many people that matter now a lot in this movie that at the time were not huge. Let me Anna just Kendrick's. Read, let me just read some names. Yeah. Anna Kendrick, Chris Evans, Academy Award winning actress Brie Larson. <laughs> I have to do that because <laughs> also she's Captain Marvel now. Like Brie officially? Larson is legit. Like you can't. Well, who wait? Who's Brie Larson in this movie? Uh, Brie Larson. I don't, uh, you gotta. She's not the Bi Furious. You really, girl, is you she? really just uh, put me on the I'm spot. Sorry. She's uh, yeah, Natalie like? Envy Adams, one of Scott's ex girlfriends. So she must be the lead singer of the other band. The huh. oh, she band. is. Oh, uh, wow. Okay, Allison Pill, uh, Brandon Routh, who is Soups. Soups. Yeah, this is Brandon Routh. Soups that's Supreme. Cool. And Jason Schwartzman, of course, who I think is chicken probably, parm's not vegan. Uh, <laughs> my favorite Brandon Routh line. <laughs> So anyway, there's, there's just lots of there's lots of people in this movie that are really good, and I don't know. There's just I quite enjoy this whole thing. Uh, I think it's like like a really fun movie to watch. It's super rewatchable. Wanna, you can watch this movie like so many times and not get sick of it. I'll ask all of you though, what is your favorite battle in the movie? Well, I really like the music in the battle between him and the twins, but. That's, I really like Brandon Routh as Todd. Like, I just think that that scene is really funny. There's something like really funny. The pretentious and, vegan guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, with I, his I, vegan powers. I just... partake of nothing with a face. <laughs> he, he, for the people who can't see, he, he just masks his face, face with his hand. Yeah. And then he gets, he gets nailed by the vegan police because that's <laughs> the whole time he's like, Scott Pilgrim, I can see in my mind's eye that you're doing this. And he's like, well, you know, if you, Maybe I made you drink half and half, but I don't know if you could see that, you know, with your mind's eye or whatever. <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot one person who's in this too. Aubrey Plaza as uh, uh, Steven's Scott's. ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that. And also, uh, her name's like Julie in the movie. She's, she's super funny in this she's movie. She's playing Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, she's just being That's Aubrey Plaza. Does, yeah. and up. Which she is very, uh, she matters a lot more than when she first appeared in this too. It's, it's incredibly well casted. Like they did a really good job finding a bunch of people who now are like really, really great because Edgar Wright is an awesome director. Like he has a very unique style. His writing is like funny and it moves like the way that he, the way that like the script goes through, you know, I just like, I just really like, I really like his stuff. And I think this is a good example of like what he is capable of and he should get more shots to make something like this. He's excellent. What he excels at to me is setting something up for later. Mm-hmm. He does a great job of creating callbacks that feel natural and just running running gags and just really yep. well thought out sequences of film. Even his throwaway jokes, he'll call back to them like any good comic does. Like he and you know, he was heavily involved in Ant-Man before he got kind of pushed out because he didn't want to you know, bend the knee to the Marvel Cinematic Empire, which, you know, that's fair. That, uh, But I think it's fair for both sides. Yes. To part on yeah. that side. Marvel is very successful. They deserve to be able to kick directors off if they're not doing what they want. And if he didn't want to make a certain kind of Ant-Man movie. But you can tell what scenes are very Edgar Wright in that movie. They're the funny ones. Anytime <laughs> when, when that, when, uh, when, uh, Michael, Michael Pena is talking and he's just reading off. He's and he's talking about oh and then I went and I talked to my friend and it's just like those scenes are so Edgar Wright like Edgar Wright <laughs> definitely wrote those scenes word for word because there's no way that Scientologist Michael Pena is that funny. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll say to, this about Edgar Wright though: like you talked about the callback jokes. If I had to sum up Edgar Wright movies in in a phrase, it would be earnest and funny. Yeah, they're very they're, endearing. Yes, that's the thing with. We can't. We don't know exactly what parts of Ant Man, but there's definitely the family vibe in Ant Man. And he did the original spec script for this movie. It's also very funny for Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's about a guy who, you know, he's you know he's dating whatever, but he finds this girl that he's just so in love with, and it's it's odd, but to to be with her, he must face her seven evil exes. And although that's not his original idea. The way he portrayed it in film was perfect. The cuts, the quick cuts, the quick jokes, the biting humor, the the sad parts. It works. Earnest and funny. So really quickly, Nate, before you go into his next movie, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think back. And I'm, what was his first big movie? Shaun of the Dead, man. That was the first one? 
Yeah. Okay, but, I wasn't sure about that. I mean, he made a movie like before that, but no one. That was his first I, big. I've not okay. seen it. It's Fistful of Fingers, 1994. I'm. I've never even. 94. That's. Yeah, that's like 10 years before Shaun of the Dead came out. Uh, he worked on the TV show Spaced, and that's oh, like people that, love Spaced, and that's a Simon Pegg Edgar Wright made that together. Simon Pegg wrote it. Like that's it's very popular. I think it's okay. It's it's not my Well, is it British so you're it's Yeah, it's British yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, super British. But it's sort of the whole like, you know, Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright thing, which has worked out very well for all of us, I feel. Sounds beans um, on your egg British, and, according uh, to you. Yeah, this is like really the only Scott Pilgrim is like the only movie he's made that's not uh you know, in the uh, Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. He wrote He's got a writing credit on Ant-Man, and he wrote the Adventures of Tintin movie, which I think is very underrated. That's an underrated movie. That was a very oh. enjoyable film. Yeah. But he's got a movie coming out. It's called Baby Driver. It's got John Hamm, J- J- Jamie Foxx, Kevin Spacey in it, and I'm really excited. What um, is the movie? They are so giving him stars. A, t- a talented to make sure young getaway driver relies on the beat on the beat of his personal soundtrack to be the best in the game. When he meets the girl of his dreams, Baby sees a chance to ditch his criminal life and make a clean getaway. But after being coerced into working for a crime boss, he must face the music when a doomed heist threatens his life, love, and freedom. You uh, want my hope against hope premier- is- uh, The reason I'm talking, I'm, I've thought about it, is it's premiering at Sundance in like two weeks. Or I mean, Sundance, South by Southwest. So okay. people are going to see it in two weeks. So we'll have an idea of how... So keep an eye out for this. We'll have an idea of how good this movie is. But I'll say this. When an... A uh, kind of indie director like this is out there screening his movie early. It means usually means it's really good, especially if it's at these kind of like fan servicey festivals, like Toronto International Film Festival, where he's not trying to sell it. He just wants to make sure people see it, like and the word gets out. Yep, get that positive yeah. word of mouth. Trust me, this this movie. Twenty five reviewers are going to review it at South by Southwest, and I'm going to guess twenty three of them are going to give it a positive review. It's going to be something like that. The same yeah, thing happened with Get right. Out. Get Out, they screamed it at TIFF, and like it got tons of good reviews, and it started that like momentum snowball that a movie like this, a mid-level movie like this, needs to get going, right? Yeah, it needs that's to... what can push it from 8 million premiere to like 30 million premiere. Right, exactly. It's only 115 minutes long, which I appreciate. I just wanted to make sure that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I want it known. I like it when movies stay in their lane and they're not too crazy long. I... Uh... I just want to say that I'm going to be very disappointed if there's not a nobody puts baby in the corner comment anywhere in that movie. I mean, the main character's name is Baby. There's a really good chance considering the sense of humor. No, it's funny. You listed all the stars of this movie, and it sounds like they're bringing out the stars to help Edgar Wright make you know, make some he, box office gold. But who is the main star? Who's playing Baby? Ansel Elgort. I don't know who that is. That's I saw the name. Uh, oh, I Ansel saw his picture. Elgort, I still don't divergent. know who he uh, He's in Divergent. Which one? Uh, insurgent, them. Divergent, or Detergent? All, all of them. <laughs> Allegi- Allegiant, Zing. Insurgent. Uh, di- yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't care. I'm sorry. Um, he's in Paper Towns. He's in a bunch of stuff that kids like. The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, he's an up and coming young actress. <clears throat> Apparently, Meryl Streep's in it. So what happened was Edgar Wright. I really hope Kevin Spacey out. plays he's the bad guy. Like, Meryl Streep's in my new movie. And he's all excited about it, and then he like deleted the tweet like ten minutes later. And people were like, "Oh, is it like?" So she must have like a weird reveal in the movie. That's the only thing I could think of. Is that like it's a surprise that she's there? <laughs> hmm. So, or a quick cameo? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's a uh, or she backed out. That's my movie <laughs> for the week. Uh, you should watch Good Scott call, Pilgrim Nathan. versus the World. Uh, I think it's heavily underrated film. Uh, it's sh- most people would probably give it like a six, and I would give it a solid eight, maybe even a nine. I, I really, think it's, I really uh, enjoy it. It's visually stunning. I don't know yeah. if you said that, but the visuals in this. It's they worked hard. You can tell they worked hard on this movie. Like it, it looks great. I just remember that first the the first battle is a musical number, and it's it's almost like a Bali. It's not almost. It's very it's Bollywood. A Bollywood cause yes, it's, cause the, and yeah. it just took me by surprise, and not in a good way. I was. And you, I, were you super worried? Like that? I was because I was really enjoying it, and then that happened. And it was it, a really weird scene. He got really weird really <laughs> fast, didn't it, Kevin? Yeah, that, I like that one a lot. But I was, I was, I almost said that was my favorite fight scene. Just, to, just to mess with you. In retrospect, I like it. Like now that I've seen the movie, I enjoy it. But at the time, I was. You were just, scared. I was scared. I. I, I think it sets it. the tone, though. I oh I didn't almost now you're turn sitting it like off. holy crap I don't know what's gonna happen next it could be anything yes and it worked but at the time I was thinking 
okay, this better change or I'm turning it off. It's a very aggressive movie in that way. And I, I bring this up because I want people to see the movies that we talk about here. And I don't want people to see that and go, ugh. No, because it, it, it gets much better after Yeah, that. this is a weird movie. It's, it's definitely... It's got, a, it's got style. It's quirky. Though. That's what I like about it. All right, anyway... Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SeahawksNest. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash SeahawksNest. You can uh, find us on Facebook following uh, facebook.com slash FromTheHawksNest. Uh, that's it. That's how you get a hold of us. Uh, we'll see you next week. And go Hawks!